This is three women and a bottle of wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. We're delving into whatever interests us. News, not news, it's what affects our lives because it's probably affecting yours too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Financial advisor and CEO of Prosper Wealth Financial, Nicole Middendorf is with us today. She's not just a financial advisor, she's an author, she's an entrepreneur. She's kind of a badass. She's kind of a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a badass. Thank you. I love hearing that. <laughs> and because she talks about money and talks to people about money and couples about money, she's ended up being kind of a money relationship expert with a new book out. Who so, likes to sip mimosas. We're sipping yeah. mimosas. We're at Prosper Well Financial in Minnetonka. And you have a beautiful new building. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Like it just, I still drive up and I'm like, I pinch myself. I'm like, <laughs> I own this. Like, this is mine. This is so cool. Oh, that explains the blue- bruises on your eyes. <laughs> You're wondering. Yes. And, it's, and it still, yeah, it still smells like fresh carpet and paint. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. beautiful. You know, you have a column out actually about, about risk taking. And this was a huge risk. And what what pushed you into that direction? What made you take that leap? I just, I've always had to make life difficult for myself. <laughs> and so I just, I always wanted to own a building that just had this great, amazing feel. And I live the advice that I give to other people, which is you want to own assets. You want to own things that give you income. And so for me, I've owned a company for a while. I don't want to date myself <laughs> since 2003. And I'm going to keep owning a company for a while. And so why would I rent space somewhere and pay someone else every single month when I could pay myself and be able to pick out every single thing in there and have a workout room and a wine bar and just this great, amazing. I want to work for Nicole. (laughs) This amazing place. So I wanted I wanted to push myself. Was it terrifying, though? I mean, I think a lot of small business owners are just too afraid to take the leap. Was it scary? It was. Yeah. I mean, I've had many scary moments. Like in this article, I, I talked about Janet Dolan, who was the CEO of Tenant. And I rem- I met her when I was in my 20s. And I was looking at buying another property, a residential property. And, uh, and she's like, Nicole, she's like, you're young. Take risks when you're young. And so I just kind of like that stuck with me. And so I just went and when I left Morgan Stanley in 2003, that was a huge leap of faith. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what did I just do? And then we made some major changes uh, two years ago and changed our broker dealer. And same thing. I took that huge leap of faith and I'm like, what did I just do? I'm a single mom. And then buying this building, it was a huge like you sign your name and you, you know, get it at closing and you're like, what did I just do? (laughs) And I think we should talk a little bit more about that, Nicole, because you are a single parent. And as we were talking about offline, you're the sole provider. Yeah. And so that brings in a whole different element of scary. And I'm quite certain a lot of our podcast listeners are also single parents thinking they would like to do their own thing. So while no advice resonates with everyone, or what would you tell some people who would like to move out on their own and what are some of the steps they need to take to make sure that they're, they're still being responsible to their families yeah i mean for me and for anyone it's having a plan and really you know i in my work i ask people what if you know what if you have a car accident what if you get divorced what if your spouse dies and so particularly when i was buying this building okay what if like what if something happens <laughs> what if what if construction takes a lot longer because i do have space upstairs um 2100 square feet that i don't have a tenant in 
But I planned for, okay, well, if I do not have someone upstairs for a year, that I've got the cash flow, that I've got the ability, the money hidden away and saved up, that I can, that I can do that. And so it's all about the what ifs. And for me, it's also showing my daughter that you can have it all. Amen. You know, that you, because I was raised that way. My mom, my parents are still together. I'm not from a divorced family, but my mom owned a business and I was never in daycare. She had a hair salon and then she put a salon in her home. And then I was on a, a baby blanket and a little pack and play. So I did that same thing with my kids. And I want to show my daughter, like, you can be a mom and you can be a business owner or you can, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's what's empowering and drives me even more. So full disclosure, I had a whole bunch of questions that I wrote out in advance. We're just going to scrap that and go with what we want. Um, so you have a new book out, Who Pays? Navigating Love and Money. And we were talking earlier, um, sort of how this issue of money is very central to relationships. How did the book come about? And what is the premise of it? It came, the idea came a long time ago. I've been uh, single since 2010. And so it was about 2011 that my best friend from college, uh, who used to, he works in marketing. uh, He's like, hey, Nick, you need to write a book on dating and money. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Like, I got married right out of college. And now I'm just, you know, back then I was getting a divorce. I'm like, I know nothing about dating. He's like, oh, come on, you can write a book on dating and money. And so in 2012, when I kind of got my feet wet and got back out there dating, I was like, okay, I totally need to write a book about dating and money. <laughs> and then over the years, I've been called a marriage uh, saver. <laughs> and, and there's many days that I feel like I'm a marriage therapist. And so that was the big motivator for me. Mm-hmm. So the book took me too long to write. But it's also because I just have so much going on in my life. Yeah. But I wanted to be in anything I do. I don't just do it to do it. Like I want to do it and have it be amazing and so this book is just it's my favorite it's amazing can you give us a couple of examples of things that you told people i think that <laughs> they're very interested i could just hear people turning yeah. up the volume on their podcasts <laughs> so i have i have a couple and and they tell this story all the time um but i have a couple that came into my office and they were both pointing fingers at each other you know like well she spends so much money and he spends so much money And she kind of had this attitude. They both are very high income earners and they both had this attitude like, well, we make a lot so we can spend a lot. So we spent a lot of time coming up with a budget. But what she needed to do, her first homework was she had to go home and take her credit cards and grab a glass of water and put the credit cards in the glass of water and put them in the freezer. Hmm. And she just had an issue with psychologically dealing with money. Because her husband would tell me the, the glasses would get pushed to the back of the freezer <laughs> and she'd have to like pull them up to the front so she could see them. And she just really had to change her pattern and really figure out what was important. And so she used to go out to a happy hour, dinner, lunch or whatever with her friends and she would be always the one that paid. And mm. so she just needed to change that. She couldn't do that all the time. But that's her personality to just mm-hmm. give and give and give. But it's like you're giving but yet you're really hurting yourself. And so she stopped doing that and she she really wanted to dance. And so she gave up a lot of other things that weren't important to her because dance was so expensive and her dance lessons and her costumes and all that. And so we reined it in. I mean, we really, we cut out a, like a third, about a third of the money that they were spending. So do you ever find the opposite? So I was raised where you just don't spend a dime on anything ever. And do you find that there's an opposite effect? There's people who spend too much, but then there's people who don't 
spend enough. Yes, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's both. And then there's people, you know, I, I rarely have met a woman that doesn't have the fear of being a bag lady, hmm. no matter if they have $10,000 to their name or 10 million to their mm-hmm. name. You're not talking about a Gucci bag lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that woman, I mean, the, there's so many times women are in my office and they ha- they'll be fine. And I it's can fear. Yes. What is, what it's is this fear? What is it about money? And it just, it's, it's, scary and and there's just so much because without it you don't know what to do yeah you know you're just stuck it's very intimidating Mm -hmm. and most of the time we have very we have a lot of money memories yeah and Mm -hmm. so you think of how how did you watch your parents Mm -hmm. or how how did what happened to you when you were younger and and how do those money memories happen and so many times that's why I feel very blessed with what I do because I will always remember that feeling of intimidation Mm -hmm. when it comes to money and in sixth grade I was in all the honors classes of everything and I went to private school and one day our teacher wasn't there for the honors math so I was with the rest of the class And so I was called up to the front of the room and to do the problem on the chalkboard. I did the problem on the chalkboard and I sat down and I did it wrong. And the teacher made this huge, big deal out of it. How could an honor student in challenge math do this wrong? I was never in honors math after that day. And what Mm -hmm. I did then is I said, okay, I can't do math, which means I can't do money. Hmm. And so many times I feel like things are changing now with the STEM program and all that. Yeah. But it, it's for a lot of women there yes. that, oh, I can't do math, which means I can't do money. If, mm-hmm. fa- if checking accounts were not accessible online so I could see my balance, I wouldn't be able to balance my checkbook. Yeah. I, and I hate to even say that because it sounds so lame and there's air quotes around lame but it is true I was always wrong with the math when I had a checking account and you had to keep a register Mm -hmm. now I'm dating myself aren't I (laughs) (laughs) but I used one too (laughs) to that point or let's take it a little bit further if you don't mind so do you think especially because we're uh, you know there's this whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses Mm -hmm. and you talked a little bit about this couple that you worked with but they were both high income earners I think it's probably fair to say that there's a you know, there are issues depending on what the, the earning level is. But do you think parents just really want to give their kids everything mm-hmm. yes. because their kids are also seeing on social media that everybody is going to this resort. Everybody's in Aruba right now. Next yes. year it's going to be Disney. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so what's your advice to that? Is that you've got, you've got to, you've got to one, have a plan because there's so many times that I've presented the financial plan to a couple and they're like, whoa, that was an awakening. Because most of the time, people are just living so much in this present and not thinking of the decisions that they're making today, how that affects their retirement. And the majority of people are not on track towards retirement. And so if you see, oh man, I'm not going to be able to retire when I'm 65, it's going to change your frame of mind a little bit and you're going to be a little bit more conscious. So many times we're living unconsciously with our money. We just go about our day. Mm-hmm. We're going to the coffee shop. You know, our kids, mm-hmm. I was just at the Mall America with my two children yesterday. My son had to have this. And I was the worst parent ever because I didn't buy him a spray painted hat that was only $25. Like, why don't you look at other, all the other things that I did buy you? And so it's all, I mean, there's so many tips of giving your kids an allowance and helping empower your children so that your kids are spending their own money and you're saving yourself money. Plus, you're teaching them the value that you can't just have everything now. Because unfortunately, if you're just teaching your kids that they're going to have everything now, that's why we are in the situation that we are. And it's, it's very sad. All of this kind of comes back into, you know, personality, deep psychological things about how money affects us. 
Um, and whether you're talking relationships or just in your own mind, imagining your future, we all have a money personality, don't yes. we? Or, yes. And baggage that we bring into money relationships. Yes. Many people are avoiders. There's avoiders, <laughs> there's savers, and there's spenders. <laughs> and many people are avoiders. And can you, can you change those personalities? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you're a spender, and, and a lot of times when you have couples, you have a spender marrying a saver. <laughs> a yin and a yang. That's me and my husband. Yep. Yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. And so if you're an extreme saver and your significant other is an extreme spender. That's a problem. You know, that's a problem. <laughs> but you can help each other be on the same page. And, and it all comes down to, okay, where are we? And where do we want to be? And what do we need? Because your values determine who you are. And if you focus on your values and put the money into place and have a plan, it'll make things easier. It's the avoiders that are tough. And how often do you think couples and new couples or people who've been married for a long time, how often should they do check-ins on this plan? Because plans do change. Yeah. At least once a year, I want to meet with the clients to go over the financial plan. But every month, ideally, you're having a money date. And maybe you need to meet at a public place. <laughs> maybe it needs to be at a restaurant. Or With a mimosa. <laughs> but that you're, and if you're single, that's where you can have your money data. Just a quick check-in with a friend, your CPA, your financial advisor, your mom, whomever. But that you're checking in with yourself once a month or your significant other of, okay, where am I? What am, what am I deciding? What should I be spending on? Okay, whoa, we just overspent last month. How can we rein in? It's kind of like getting on the scale, you know? Oh, yes. We're- so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, there's still so much taboo. I mean, talking about money and sharing your salary and sharing what you make and talking about if you're in debt. or Do you see any progress in that space where we, we're being able to have conversations about money without it feeling taboo? I feel like the younger generations, you know, like my kids are nine and 10. Um, and I feel, and it's probably though because I'm a financial advisor and I talk all the time <laughs> about money. And so they talk about money all the time. But I feel like the younger generations that it's not so taboo. But it's all about really how do you feel? And the more you talk about it, generally the better of a financial situation you're going to be in. Because if you don't talk about it and you have a problem or an issue, you're generally not going to resolve it. Mm -hmm. It's just going to really, like a snowball, get worse and worse. And there's just, you're not going to have a great situation. So let's talk a little bit about investing because really the perception is it's something only the high income earners can do. How can we kind of flip this conversation so that everybody has access to it? They can find a way to to try to build some wealth. Right. I'm a big proponent. So many times people will ask like, oh, do you have a minimum or, you know, how, do, how much money do I have to have to see a financial advisor? And I'm a big proponent of saying, how are you going to get a financial or how are you going to have lots of money if you don't have a financial advisor? So go get one. Most of the time, wherever your money is, it's already costing you money to invest. And so in general, no matter where your money is, it costs you about 1% to 3%. And so I find so many people are out there that have money someplace, but they don't really have a financial advisor connected to that account. And having a financial advisor isn't going to cost you more money. How do you know if the financial advisor is the right person for you? That's a very good question. And for me, it's, I, you know, I tell people interview. You know, one, you know, you can um, ask for referrals, ask for, you know, friends or people that you know. But go out and interview a couple financial advisors. And you want to find someone that is a partner with you. You know, for me, sometimes someone will be in the back seat of the car or in the trailer. And my goal is that they're 
sitting up beside me that it's a partnership, that we're driving that car you know, together side by side and helping people get where they want to go. And most financial advisors offer free initial consultations. So, okay. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be bringing you the final flight where we just talk to our guests, ask them a few, few random questions to, to get to know you a little bit more. We'll be right back. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian, who's so great, and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling, and they know how to make video look really, really good. Learn more at 515productions.com. Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSaltz, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, threewomenandabottleofwine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are with Nicole Middendorf at the beautiful Prosperwell Financial in Minnetonka. Thank you for hosting us. We're down in our mimosas, and so it is time for our final flight. And Julie, you've got the first question. I sure do. So what is your greatest single mom time saver tip? Uh, points. I have this system called the point system. And so every day my kids get points and you can have it be any dollar amount. But for me, one point is a dollar. And so it could be anything from having great behavior at school, great behavior on the bus, turning off your lights, taking out the garbage, whatever it is that I want my kids to be focused on. And so then they get points, they get money. A lot of it has to go into savings. So they each have little envelopes. They're saving for their college. They're saving for their first house. They're saving for their first car. And then the rest of it, they spend it. So when we're at the Mall of America, they're not asking me to to spend my money. I'm like, you, you've got your own. Except for a cool hat with spray paint. <laughs> I didn't buy it. I did not buy it. <laughs> Stand strong. <laughs> okay, next question. Best place to vacation with or without the kids? So uh, the best place with kids was a Disney cruise. Huh. Oh, yes. Totally agree. That was amazing. And I was like the least excited to go. And it was actually an amazing trip. Um, and then uh, without children, I went with five girlfriends. And we sailed the British Virgin Islands. No way. Sounds horrible. I want your life. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I even broke five ribs on that trip by accident. Just a freak accident. And I can't, I can't wait to go back. It was amazing. <laughs> That's that a story trip. That for is resilient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have a book coming out in the fall. Who pays? Navigating love and money. Our last question for final flight. First date. You go Dutch or who pays? The guy. Totally. Hands down the guy. There won't be a second date if the guy doesn't pay for me on the first date. And it doesn't mean I won't offer, but if it just says a lot. You know, I'm looking for that traditional guy that's going to uh, open the door, but yet Mm -hmm. allow me to be me. me, And is it okay to ask for the six-piece chicken McNugget meal? (laughs) Sorry. It says a lot. (laughs) Nicole, thank you so very much. We've really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. Three women and a bottle of wine. Until next time, ladies, enjoy. Cheers. Enjoy, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.